0: Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. It is the week after the Oscars and we are still going talking about the Oscars and what an Oscars it is to discuss. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com. I'm here with Vanity Fair's digital director, Mike Hogan. Hello. (laughs) Sorry. I'm trying to do something (laughs) different.
1: That was Lionel (laughs) Richie.
0: Of course.
2: Hello.
1: Way
0: back. (laughs) Also on the phone, Joanna Robinson, Vanity Fair senior writer. Hi, Katie. I'm sorry I'm not singing. It's a little anticlimactic,
3: Joanna.
1: I you know. know. <laughs> I want to try
0: a little harder. And Vanity Fair's film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. So, guys, I think we were going to try to use this episode to move on to maybe looking at the year ahead and making some bold predictions for next year. But there's so much to talk about from this year's Oscars. The fallout from Envelope Gate or whatever you want to call it continues. There was an article in the Hollywood Reporter today as we record this where producer Mike DeLuca said it was the Hindenburg, which is
1: yeah. A lot. <laughs> That's about right.
0: When we talked about this last early Monday morning, I think Price Waterhouse Coopers had released an apology, but we've learned so much since then. Joanna, what's the best detail you think has come from all of this?
4: It's gotta be that the Price Waterhouse Cooper accountant who was responsible for handing the wrong envelope to Warren Beatty. Tweeted a photo of Emma Stone just before he did it and then deleted all of his tweets after he was told not to tweet from backstage. And he tweeted like a photo of the briefcase with the envelopes and a photo of Viola Davis and a photo of Emma Stone. So he was starstruck backstage at the Oscars and wound up, I'm going to put it all on him, wound up causing the biggest snafu in Oscar history.
1: Honestly, there's no other choice. That's the right choice.
0: Wait, wait, wait. No. But the fact that it's emerged since then that he is a self-described Matt Damon lookalike. And I know that's my favorite detail about him because
4: a lot of people are making Matt Damon jokes because of the whole Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon feud. So they're like, cause the guy bears like a passing resemblance to a Matt Damon who has maybe not had Hollywood take care of him his whole life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, like someone was like, oh, it's Matt Damon in disguise trying to, you know, foul up Jimmy Kimmel, or someone saying it's Matt Damon's Looper
0: from the future come back to like <laughs> it's the fact that the guy like rides Jimmy on Kimmel. the lookalike thing, like if he yeah,
1: but you know what? Okay, there is an epidemic in our society. Oh my god. Okay, and this <laughs> is reflective of it. Everybody being so unbelievably thirsty for attention mm-hmm. because everyone's afraid that they have to create their own personal brand. That yep. they can't. It's not enough to just do your job anymore. You have to be seen in public doing your job all the time. Anyway, yep. that's the epidemic. Yeah. And every, and especially in L.A., everybody you meet is like, are you building your personal brand enough? Like, are you? Why aren't you tweeting pictures of people <laughs> You just backstage? got back from
0: 10 days in L.A. I can see it really had an impact no, on No,
1: I mean, it does. Yeah. And, and if you read Rebecca Keegan's newsletter yesterday, she said Gary Natoli, who is the stage manager of the Oscars, whom she describes affectionately as a human Xanax. He usually hands out the envelopes, but yes. this year, Brian Cullinan decided, well, wait a minute. I'm the Matt Damon lookalike who needs to be tweeting pictures and handing out the envelopes because everyone needs to see that I'm the Price Waterhouse accountant and this is my time to shine. And how else am I going to build my personal brand? Well, you now have a personal brand for the rest of your life as the guy ignominy. who did the Hindenburg <laughs> at the Oscars.
0: I do have to say the Academy <laughs> later reached out to Rebecca and said that even though she has seen that guy with the envelopes, that according to the Academy, he was just checking the envelopes in the past and that the accountants have already done it. Oh, uh, okay. The logic there is a little right, fuzzy, well, but Rebecca, Rebecca saw what she one saw. One quarter so. of the way. Yeah, no, this guy clearly uh, really stepped in it. But I feel like they should give that job to the stage
4: manager now.
0: I feel like... I feel like they're going to give the job to like four stage managers and like four people will check the envelopes yeah. to uh, make sure that they're
2: from I keep one.
1: thinking that... Well, I know there's a security issue, but I keep thinking the envelopes thing is just not the way to go anymore. Maybe it should be a digital envelope I don't know there an these... iPad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If it's know. on the
0: teleprompter, it's going to get hacked. Yeah, that's the, yeah, th- there's true. a g- very good reason not to do the teleprompter. Basically, with the envelopes, like two people see it. Those accountants have seen the envelopes. They memorized the list, which was a fascinating thing that I learned. Both of those people knew that Moonlight had won Best Picture, so the minute it was announced, they knew that it was the wrong one. Which again makes you wonder why it took two and a half minutes to correct it.
1: If you want to keep it a secret, write it down <laughs> in a piece of paper and give it to somebody
0: personally. <laughs> okay. okay? See what? Two other details. <laughs> me, oh God. It's getting <laughs>
4: like creepy. Good. Now Two two of my other favorite details are if you watch the tape again, the last Lullan La La producer to give his speech clearly gives his speech after he already oh, realized yeah, yeah. that they had lost, which I didn't realize at first.
0: And like, I don't know what would you do. <laughs> well, Richard, you were asking on Twitter like why Jordan Horowitz became kind of this folk hero for what he did, and I thought it was because that second producer, I think it's Mark Platt. I don't want to misidentify him. That that yeah, he started that he started speaking, knowing that they had lost, and was kind of like I don't know what he was really going for, and that then Jordan Horowitz stepped in to or set the record in, to set the record straight. That was where I thought he really kind of shone.
3: Yeah, um, I, I'm just joining you guys from the bathroom. I uh, Christine Lottie style that, That's why you haven't.
0: <laughs> Heard, heard my voice. You won best actress, Richard. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh,
3: yay. Um, yeah, I think there's been some controversy because Damien Chazelle and Barry Jenkins are on the cover of Variety, yeah. their post-Oscar thing. So there's been a lot of talk about like, oh, you know, La La Land seems to have still kind of won, even though it didn't win. And, and
0: oh, that's interesting. Yeah,
3: and um, yeah, in the conversation, and certainly you know, Ira Madison at MTV and, and other writers who write about black culture a lot are like, wait. <laughs> Moonlight won, guys. Like, like, like why, are we, yeah. why are we talking about this white hero who, like, did the decent thing of, oh, I didn't win. Here's your award. You know, so I think there's some controversy, it seems right now, about whether or not.
1: But I, <laughs> no, here I, we go yeah. again. I think that Moonlight got screwed. They mm-hmm. should have had the moment to stand alone.
3: La, La Land got screwed. Too. But
1: it's not – but, like, like yeah. let's not punish the guy who did the right thing no. and ma- turn him into some race, like,
3: like villain. I don't think anyone's punishing him. I think it's not him particularly. It's just, like, the coverage of him.
1: But it's still okay to say a good thing happened here. Yeah. Like, a rare, rare, for the first time in but, six months, an actual human behaved in a good way. Like, <laughs> right, right, we can talk but, about it without being racist. I'm pretty sure. I okay, could be but wrong.
4: The, but, my, but the headlines are, are, like, the hero of the Oscars is George – a lot of the headlines okay, well, came about Jordan Horowitz, and corny. I don't think that that's yeah. right.
3: The hero we need right now. Yeah,
2: uh,
0: no, that I was a, literally was a
4: headline, a bit, yeah, which is yeah, like,
3: come and, on. And that's, that's what people are reacting to. Not that he did a good thing. It's more
4: a media
0: critique. Yeah. Although, I think the perspective that La La Land also won, I mean, like I mean, last, got last got year. well, got six Oscars well, won and it Best it won Best director. That's the thing. is, like Damien Chazelle won Best Director. I mean, like last year, you think about The Revenant and Spotlight. Like, everyone remembers that Spotlight won Best Picture probably, but I think a lot of people still think about The Revenant. Like yeah. this happens when you split picture and director in this way.
4: When Ira Madison from MTV was talking about this Variety cover that went up last night of Damien Giselle and Barry Jenkins, both in their suits, both holding their Oscars on the cover, he was like, this is disappointing, this reframing of the narrative. And then Barry Jenkins, who like knows Ira, sort of started tweeting at him. And he's like, listen, I was actually the guest on this cover. Usually it's the best director solo Mm. cover. Hmm. it's been Alfonso Caron. It's been, and last year it was Chivos cause that was sort of like the story. It wasn't spotlight. It was Chivos who was not a director, but like still it's historically a director And Ritu's been on there. So for Barry to be on there is sort of breaking up a tradition to share the cover with someone.
1: I think Barry has been the real hero of class throughout this whole thing. He's the one who tweeted about Jordan, uh, like, realizing, I'm thinking about this, realizing what level of presence and
2: class And he he did that,
0: like, on the way to our party, probably. Like, it was, like, very soon after the Oscars. Barry, I think, has had, we talk about, like, he's our personal friend, although he was on the podcast. No, he just, like, really did it. Right, in this horrible yeah. situation. I mean, I think I think everyone did it right. Like Damien was pretty quiet after the Oscars, and I think sharing that cover with Barry was a good move for him. Yeah. Yeah,
3: no. Um. Well, actually, Katie. Also, if someone is on our podcast, they are our best friend forever.
0: No, exactly. Well, <laughs> you mean our best friend, Andy Garfield? That's what okay. I've been telling you. I mean, Andrew I told Garfield. you that I, I saw Isabel dancing at our party, and she said, "Tell Richard hello." Oh, good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. No, I think ultimately, you know, if you look at this in a vacuum, everyone did the right thing, and everyone did it gracefully and kindly, and you except
0: know, for except for the Matt Damon look like accountant guy,
3: who? Well, yeah, no. I well, yeah, him aside. Um, <laughs>
2: He's, he's a villain. He should burn in hell. But,
3: <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think there's just there's been a little bit of a tweak, you know, sort of in the media to kind of try to you know pump up Horowitz a little bit more than maybe is necessary. But again, like you said, Mike, maybe we are just reacting to the fact that like, oh look, someone did something decent, like yeah, that, yeah. which feels
0: rare right yeah, now. Yeah, the fact yeah. that he's like, I'm proud to give this to my friends from Moonlight. Yeah. Like I he, mean, it and, was a
1: very nice moment. If the guy did a good thing. And like, it's also you know,
0: like you put yourself in that situation, and all you can imagine is yourself doing the most horrible thing running right. off stage with the Oscar crying like,
4: <laughs> giving your speech even though you know you haven't won well, yeah, I, don't, <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't
1: blame look I mean I was nervous doing our live stream I know. in front of it turned out a good number of people but not 38 million people and in fact I, I think we talked about this but Leslie Mann said on the live stream she had been told before she went out that there were 700 million people watching that's a lie but who knows that's, you know what I mean around the world
2: every year. it might be
1: around the world it might be a huge really huge number and it's like you know in show business the show must go on until you know what's happening just keep going and so it was also kind of a you know, I don't want to turn Jordan Harwood into a saint or anything, but the fact that he actually did put
3: the brakes on and be like, wait a minute. Well, somebody had to. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, like, no yeah. one
3: else
1: was. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to yeah. his
0: credit, he isn't doing any of these interviews. Like, he is stepping out of the spotlight. He didn't want an Oscar. You know, I think even that has been yeah. a good move on his part. But, I, but he, people... did,
4: he did tweet like an animated GIF of him and Barry Jenkins
1: hugging that
4: someone <laughs> <laughs> made. Not like well, like, nice. like a cartoon GIF that someone drew of the two of them.
1: So wow. and, and he has a halo and is actually an angel wing in the. Uh,
3: in picture but it's fine I mean, he's it. been Hopefully given I, the nobel Prize, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which i think is an overstep <laughs> by sweden but.
0: so we talked about how moonlight didn't get its moment should we give moonlight its moment right now i don't yeah. think we talk about this enough in our post oscar episode so richard joanna we all had a listener kind of tweet an article he wrote at us yeah. about him, kind of like figuring out how he predicted moonlight correctly i think that's a really interesting way to look into how it won
3: yeah he's this film critic a young guy named daniel joyeux i believe his how you pronounce his name He has this great, interesting, compelling theory about, with the preferential ballot system, why Moonlight might have won. Joanna, what was the kind of math there? How would he figure it out? Because you read it, too.
0: He used this to correctly
4: predict Spotlight last year, too.
0: And his website is thirdmanmovies.blogspot.com, just if you want to look up this article yourself.
4: Right. So the way he explained it is the way the preferential ballot works is if you've got a close race like between Moonlight and La La Land, and so neither clears 50 percent of the number one spot in the first round of voting, the next thing that happens is you have to
0: win more than 50 percent. You have to be number one on more than 50 percent of ballots to win best picture outright.
4: So the nice thing that happens is that the ballots that had the movie with the least number of votes, let's say the least popular movie that was, you know, voted for this year was Hidden Figures, let's say. That was like a low...
0: Hidden Figures and Fences, let's and say. And Hell or High Water. He also named Hell or High Water. Since they had the lowest number of nominations total.
4: Right. So those are the three least likely to be anyone's number one choice. So on those ballots where Hidden Figures, Hell or High Water, and Fences are the number one spot, mm. those get knocked out in the number two choice from those ballots. It becomes now one. becomes the number yeah. one. So the way you can try to figure out what the tiebreaker will be is by looking at those low likely movies and what those people would likely vote for as their second choice. This is very complicated, very interesting. Yeah. So he says, smart. now try and get in the heads of the people that think that those three are the best films of the year. What might they think is second best? All three films are character driven dramas about social justice. Two are indies, two are about African-Americans. For all three films, it seems far more likely that their vote would gravitate more towards Moonlight being higher on their ballots than they would La La Land. And he did a similar thing for Spotlight last year where he said... What do we think the taste of the people who would rank Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, and Room as the best one of the year? That they like quiet, measured arthouse dramas, and that means the majority of those folks would likely reallocate to Spotlight rather than the big short. And so, yeah, I'm like, that's brilliant. I didn't understand that about preferential ballots. I think we've got a, an interesting metric. Should we have a close race again next year?
3: And he lays it out really well. Again, it's third man movies, mm-hmm. um, Daniel Joyot. He lays it out clearly, succinctly. Who knows if it's right? It sounds right to me. I mean, you're obviously you know,
1: speculating a lot and making a yeah. lot of assumptions yeah. about, people but i mean it makes a lot of sense
3: yeah and you know i think we spoke about it briefly on the monday episode that like in terms of predicting and and the sort of game that we're in this best picture thing we do have to really start thinking about it in a different way you know because it does work very differently but the the key
1: insight here which i had never thought of is that it's much more valuable to be the second choice of people who choose the worst movie of yeah. the year, yeah. right? <laughs> right. <But> then <laughs> not the second the worst, best movie, yeah, not yeah. worst, but the, but the kind of the, the most hopeless. Let's yeah. put it that the way. Stragglers, like yeah, so, yeah. a secret being asset, being yeah. second place to the La La Land voters is useless. Doesn't matter. It's really who's second place in the first ones that get eliminated. And there's a threshold of what is it, fifty one percent or something? Yeah. Wh- wh- wherever the threshold is, like they're they're not going to eliminate all the movies. Generally speaking, they're no. going to only right. going to they're going to start from the bottom and move up.
3: They the, probably the only Drake get clause. through like one or two rounds. I mean, real realistically, it's it's not like it's going to go you know so deep. But like, it's yeah. probably they eliminate two ballots or whatever. It could be four or five, but but yeah, interesting. It's the Drake factor
1: to start it from the bottom. Sorry, I kill, I'm going
3: to commit suicide right now. Oh, your love of Canadian music has undone you once again. <laughs> I'll see you in Toronto. <laughs>
4: this is the perfect time for me to apo- send my apologies to Mike Hogan. On Monday, early in the morning, you graciously, well, you didn't need to apologize. But, you know, you said that you had sort of talked me out of Moonlight as Best Picture. And I want to say that I apologize for dismissing your love of that Justin Timberlake song because it has been stuck in my head. <laughs> ever since the Oscars, it's a great song. You're right. I was wrong.
3: All right. I'm quitting this
0: podcast. Uh, everyone
2: else <laughs> disagrees <laughs> with
1: both of us. But thank you, Joanna, for joining my little pod of now too. <laughs>
0: So I'm looking back at our Oscar predictions, which I think, you know, the morning after the Oscars, I think we all had kind of a morning after the election feeling. Different emotions, but like, how did we get it so wrong? We were all wrong. And as Mike accurately predicted, this is a year for everyone to predict things incorrectly because, I don't know, the moon is in the seventh house or something. But we actually did better on our group predictions. I think on this podcast, we might have gone all over the place. It was a wider ranging discussion. But we predicted La La Land would win Best Picture, but we accurately predicted all four of the acting categories. By the way, I want to say La
1: La Land kind of did win Best Picture. can I just say that everybody, everyone out there, I, a
0: white man, Hello. would like you. to know. I, As a white
1: male, I'd like to point out it practically won. <laughs> oh boy, Sorry. Uh, we got
0: all, we got the screenplay categories right. We got cinematography. We missed film editing. We thought that would be La La Land. Uh, it went to Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, we can talk about that. That's that was an all the odd editing. Part of all.
1: The sound mixing and sound editing is when I knew La La Land was really like in trouble.
0: But did you really think it wasn't going to win Best Picture? No yeah it's really I still thought
1: it would win best picture yeah it was but but uh, but it was uh, it was not having the kind of like tr- c-
3: coronation night that it's yeah kind of I, to I, say, I
1: figured know. it would I mean I thought if it was going real well it would have won both of those and if it was going as yeah. well as we figured one. it would have won one and when it won neither I'm like
3: Ooh. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah it didn't win costume design we predicted Jackie I thought it might be La La Land but it was it meant to Colleen Atwood for Fantastic Beasts never
3: no she's won like seven Oscars like, We yeah. should never. D- I know
1: never Joanna Which called that Joanna predicted
0: on the podcast yeah she we mm. We predicted oh, Star Trek Beyond for makeup and it went to Suicide Squad. Well,
3: I just, and and
1: several Which of you Tiana need to leave the country
0: now. Wrong on the podcast and now has to move Yeah, to no, Earth, um, okay? I'm
3: moving to Uruguay with Barry Jenkins, Andrew Garfield. There was a bunch of us from, yeah. from this podcast. <laughs> we're Damien Chazelle. Yeah, we're starting a, a colony. And, and the Oscars are just going to be owned yeah. communally Kevin O'Connell's going to do our sound mixing down there
1: so. oh yeah
0: well Kevin O'Connell <laughs> hey yeah. he has an Oscar now he doesn't yeah. need anything to do Colleen with
3: us Colleen Atwood will just personally <laughs> n- stitch all <laughs> the she's, clothes she's maybe some nice pants mm-hmm. yeah
0: and I think we should note that uh, even though we went two for three on our shorts predictions which is still pretty good given that the shorts are so dang hard to and it was
3: a really hard weird year for yeah, them yeah but, uh, but I uh, Mike personally right. got them all right on Gold Derby
1: that's literally the only thing I can say that's good about what, what,
3: what, what was the one that we, we diverged on Sing Sing of course but
1: I in fairness I had originally had Watani for a long time, and then I realized that literally no one else on planet Earth agreed with me, so I switched it's to White the, Helmets. It's
0: still the best one. It's right still there. the best one. Yeah, I don't think I told you guys this, but I saw the White Helmets producer changing her dress in the bathroom at the Vanity Fair party while her friends had her Oscar outside. I love it. <laughs> it was Is
3: that nice. Netflix's first Oscar?
0: Oh, God. For, so
3: like, an original thing. I think it might yeah, be.
0: Yeah, I think... I thought Netflix and Amazon... Both got their first their Oscars. ...won their first Oscars. Wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, and they... Uh, Amazon with Manchester, they... Uh, they Your got next
1: crackle. <laughs> Better Google it, because every time we make a mistake, we get, like,
3: 400 tweets.
1: I know. I was so the...
0: sorry that I forgot the spotlight I only won two Oscars, guys. I will say it thank you. six in the
2: morning. <laughs> yeah. Thank
3: you, everyone, for tweeting at us during the show. I oh, mean, my God, I it was God. nice yeah. to see yeah. all, like, yes. a lot of listeners, you know, yeah. engaging it and telling me to move to Uruguay. It it was, it was fun.
2: Yeah.
0: No, yeah. all the callbacks were really Move fantastic. We <laughs> Yeah. to yeah. Uruguay.
4: <laughs> yeah. CNN.com ha- says historic victories for ESPN, Netflix, and Amazon. So Netflix, oh, yeah. uh, ESPN too, with their
3: doc. Oh, so TV really is taking over. I mean, yeah. Is, so the yeah, you know,
0: movie industry is doing great, everybody. I want to go back to Moonlight for a second because Richard, I was talking to you yesterday about how the win for Moonlight, it's the first LGBTQ film, which is a yeah, weird descriptor, but picture. like, so the first the film with an LGBT character in the center to win uh, and it's the first by a black writer slash director like who wrote and directed both but 12 Years of Slave obviously had a black director and a separate person who was a writer who was black but it also has this weird distinction of being two films by black directors that did not win best director there's yeah. still never been a black best director winner
3: which is that
1: right mm-hmm. it's horrifying. crazy
0: yeah never uh, Steve McQueen I believe lost but, off, you off know, of but you know but just
1: to go back real quick to the that really shows that the different way of voting, right? Because Best Picture is done by the preferential right. ballot. Yeah. And, and Best director is just, just straight up straight majority. who yeah. got the most votes. Yeah. So, in all likelihood, La La Land had the most votes, but mm-hmm. not enough, and that's when you start pulling up. So, I I think that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean,
3: I think if you look at Hacksaw Ridge, I said this on Monday, but I'll say it again, like Hacksaw Ridge winning Best Editing and Chazelle winning Best Director, and then Moonlight's still prevailing in Best Picture. It's like that is yeah. preferential system it benefits. And and I think you know, I, I think that that's fine. I think it benefits.
1: But, you know, and you had said Hacksaw Ridge might have
3: been. I wonder know. if some of the oldest voters put had Hacksaw one, La La Land two, and thus kind of chipped away at Lala Land's <sighs> You know, that's interesting. number one votes. Yeah,
1: if La La Land was the second favorite of Hacksaw Ridge voters and Hacksaw Ridge got a lot of votes, that's actually bad for La La Land. That's exactly right. Yeah. that's. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: thought Manchester would be more of a factor in all of this, but I mean, who knows? Maybe it was. We're all just kind of guessing about how these preferential ballots work.
4: The other metric about Moonlight's historic win is that it's the first film with an all-black cast to win an Oscar. Yeah. yeah. And I think what that means is that it's missing that sort of white savior element that we often see in films about African Americans that get in into the Oscar race, yeah, and so that there are no white characters, savior or otherwise, in this film, it's just about the past experience.
1: That's why we had to have Jordan Harwood. That's yes, the,
2: <laughs> he's the he's the Emma Stone of this help.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness we almost uh, made it through without a white savior. Although, uh, see, I'm doing it now after uh, complaining about it. It, it. Is, <laughs> is worth
0: saying that Twelve Years a Slave does not. I mean, Twelve Years a Slave has white characters who are not monsters, like Michael Fassbender's character, but it does not fall into the white savior trope. I think it's important. I mean, Brad Pitt no, sort of rec-
1: rescues him from mean, slavery in I the mean, end. And, uh, Canadian Saints producer Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt well, cast <laughs> himself. Uh, I, I have an producer, idea for what my character can be. I'll be producer Brad Pitt also was angel. behind uh,
0: Moonlight, though. That's a That's he true. I don't, I actually don't know why he wasn't on the famous envelope that Jordan Horvitz held up because he, it, Plan B produced Moonlight because
3: well, they limit the amount of producers, right? Oh, is that so what it is? He wasn't but like, that was
0: another interesting thing in the Hollywood Reporter thing is that
4: Plan B's other producer. Dean Gardner was not at the ceremony. Yeah. And they won't really say why.
0: Oh, boy. The drama from these Oscars. The other producers coming. were asked why
4: she wasn't there. And they're like, she's our partner. But they like, didn't say why she wasn't there. So
0: yeah. that's like mystery. So I think this No Black... Best director winner thing is going to become embarrassing real fast. I yeah. think that's something that yeah, they're really going to need to fix. Like, no, it's already embarrassing, yeah. but I think it's going to become the focus. I hope so. Um, <clears throat> you know, Moonlight winning is obviously this enormous accomplishment, yeah. but it's high time for a black person to win Best Director. Yeah,
3: well, we have, you know, Dee Reese, who directed Mudbound, that was a big hit at Sundance, yeah. coming down the pike. So yeah. maybe mm-hmm. that'll be something.
0: I kind of feel like Ava DuVernay is really well positioned to do this. I don't know that A Wrinkle in Time is going to be the big Oscar. Who knows? I I'm know. psyched yeah. about it. Yeah. But yeah, I do feel like that narrative is going to pick up steam. Yeah, and should maybe be Barry Jenkins. Who knows?
3: Yeah, he just can't wait eight years to make his next movie. I
0: don't think he would prefer to wait eight years either. Damien Chazelle and Ryan Gosling already have that Neil Armstrong movie coming like next year, so get ready for them to be back in the fray.
3: Oh boy, and and Emma Stone's playing the moon. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh
3: my god, you are the best.
0: Steve McQueen has widows coming, right? Oh, he does. Oh. I was wondering what Steve McQueen's that.
3: Too. That movie sounds fascinating. What is it? Yeah, it's a remake of a British miniseries, I believe. Joanna, is that right?
4: Yeah, a TV show
3: about criminals who die and then their wives decide to finish the crime for them. Oh, my
2: God. And it's <laughs>
3: Viola Davis and uh, Cynthia Erivo from The Color Purple. A- Andre cow. Holland, I think, is playing one of the Widows. So I think he's what? like a gay wit- like a gay twist. There's somebody else who's been cast. Uh,
0: it looks like uh, Daniel, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, Kaluuya, who is the star of Get Out, oh, uh, Get the number, out. One, the number yeah. one movie of The weekend. Oh,
4: he's great. And then yeah. Gillian Flynn from Gombrow is writing it. That's right.
0: Jeez. It was
4: like a 70s TV show that Steve McQueen like grew up loving.
1: <laughs> widows.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had never heard of it, but it's this female-fronted sort of like 70s badass ladies doing crime show that he watched on British television. Also
0: on the IMDb list are uh, Michelle Rodriguez and Elizabeth Debicki, so
3: I mean, that's an amazing that's cast. An yeah, cast. That's incredible. That's <laughs> incredible.
0: So I don't know if it's yeah. if it's like Oscar friendly, but you know. It's,
3: it's Richard friendly. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> So I'm here to talk to you about Hashtag Tripod. It's an effort that we're making all of this month to help people tell their friends about podcasts that they would love. There are a lot of people who still don't really get podcasts. We love that you guys listen to this, and obviously we have a lot of podcasts we love ourselves, but we want to spread the word. So right now we want to ask you to think of someone, a friend, your mom, anyone you care about, to tell them about a podcast that they would really love. Now, think about that podcast. One that we were thinking of is our friend Phoebe Robinson's So Many White Guys. That so with three O's. Hopefully you heard and saw Phoebe on our Oscar night live stream. She has that podcast plus two dope queens, both of them with WNYC Studios. They're wonderful. So maybe, you know, someone who would love those. Now, think of that person. Think of how they would want to listen to Phoebe's podcast and tell them about it in real life on social media. And if they don't know how to download podcasts, now is a great time to show them. So once you do that, tell us that you recommended it with the hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y pod, like try podcast. And we'll thank you for spreading the word about all of the great podcasts that people in your world might love.
4: Um, What else? I have to say, I think Brian Gosling is the hero we deserve in that Moonlight <laughs> La La Land handoff. Because his face, his face is clearly, oh, shit. And like,
0: this is great. <laughs> I do remember seeing live Emma Stone standing in the background mouthing, oh my God, yeah. oh my God. And I yeah. didn't know at the t- I, like I just thought she was excited at the time. But you can see the panic in her eyes. I mean, how many times have you watched the video of that moment? I
3: can't, I can't. I mean, I... I, I can't stop. I, had, I, I, sc- I literally screamed, put a sweatshirt over my head and ran to the other side of the apartment when it was happening because <laughs> it was so horrifying. And now Twitter is making me relive it. It's, it's traumatic. I, I can't oh, do it. I will never watch it again.
0: I can't stop watching it's it. It's the
3: most embarrassing. Like, ugh, ugh. But Emma Stone mouthing, oh my God, it's seared in my brain.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah.
4: Well the, the audience shot of Merrill's face is my favorite and then which we talked about on Monday, but also the rock has since like posted <laughs> were- that famous LA Times photo on his Instagram. Oh my god. Where he talks about how he would have like trampled over Merrill to put things right. To make sure Moonlight got to give their speech. <laughs> yeah, well no no. He was like no one was clarifying what was happening and I was about to run up on stage and try to make sense of
0: it all. Which I would have welcomed. So I said it I think in slack. Last week that the Rock will host the Oscars within ten years. I'm revising that to five.
3: I think he'll be nominated in under five.
0: That sounds great. Yeah. I don't know what he's going to do. Supporting get-
3: role. <laughs> I I had sort of put it out on Twitter. I, I think it'll be a supporting role, and he'll be like someone at like AA or rec- or, or like someone's sponsor, uh, like that kind of like, uh-huh. ca- like like in an like,
0: inspiration. But like a, thing. yeah, he's not troubled. He's like the or was like Robin Williams in Google Hunting? Yes, he's going to give.
4: One of those Mike Hogan snot crying speeches that Mike Hogan likes to talk <sighs> no, about.
3: No, I
0: feel like he's the gotta win on the charm. It's winner. gotta be like a Christoph Waltz like he doesn't I, have to I be think, a bad guy. I think
3: Robin Williams and Google Hunting is exactly the right uh, thing yeah. I'm thinking of. It's like a therapeutic kind of yeah. supportive supporting role.
4: It's it's not your fault. Yeah, so um. someone's
3: gotta write it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, they're remaking Google Hunting twenty years later. <laughs>
0: I mean, when he sang on stage, when he's like, they didn't invite me to sing, but I'm just going to sing anyway. I was like, go for it, Rock. Just like sing all of Moana if you want to. I know.
4: We should talk about the, um, so the ratings for this particular telecast were quite low.
0: Nine year low. What was nine years ago? That was no country for old men year i guess Mm, yeah Yeah, there are two factors that people are talking about one is host because like
4: apparently it was abc who really wanted jimmy kimmel you know as their own sort of like cross-promotional this is our late night host i saw some like oscar pundits whoever talking about how they'll get a higher profile star to host next year like it's not going to be kimmel so it could be someone like the rock or like hugh jackman you know what i mean like to get someone with star quality to host hugh
1: jackman more famous than jimmy kimmel at this point i mean i guess he's famous. No, I
4: but... don't mean next year. I just mean when, when Jackman oh, hosted. I was going to an example okay. of like an A-list actor or right. B, whatever you want to call yeah. You, Jackman.
3: Yeah. I think they're going to have Jordan Horwitz do it. <laughs> Great
2: idea
4: <laughs> with
0: Ryan Gosling. Yeah. I
4: mean, I thought I thought Kimmel was great, but you know, it's true that like maybe The Rock hosting would put more butts in front of the TVs. And then the other, mm. you know, obviously thing that people always talk about is like put more audience-friendly films in contention, and so nominate Deadpool. And I'm just like, please don't nominate Deadpool. Just, just so more. People
3: also, watch are the Deadpool Oscars. fans going to tune into the Oscars like <laughs> no. to see if it's win? I don't. I don't
1: know. Yeah. I Come just on. think it's oh. a
0: total losing battle. Like. It's never, you're never going to get the ratings you got for Titanic. Yeah, like the the world ratings
1: is are going to keep going down. And, and who they might cares? even, not even, this whole f- television broadcast might not even exist in Yeah, it'll four be a years.
0: live stream or hosted by The yeah. Rock. So, so they fine. should just
1: be maximizing the you know,
3: experience of it across all platforms and stop worrying so much about the ratings. You know, like Cable has done for years and the CW does, start focusing on the value of the viewer. Like which, what, yes. what kind of viewers do you have? And you still have a good number of, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've got a huge chunk of the
1: kind of sophisticated, educated, yeah. you know, people in Plugged this country in and all yeah. around the world mm-hmm. watching, you know. They had a massive Rolex about... ad.
0: Clearly the advertisers are figured it out. Yeah. that Like they'll pay to get to this specific audience who isn't the Deadpool fans. They don't want the Deadpool fans. Yeah, I
1: don't want to, th- throw in the towel but like it's just don't dilute what the Oscars is just to get uh, just to prop up a number that is going down
0: yeah I mean if our live stream got as many viewers as it did after the Oscars like clearly the engagement on Twitter and Facebook and God knows what else I mean Joanna you watched the audience cams which apparently are fascinating
4: oh my god but please Academy if you're listening to this and of course you are (laughs) get someone else to host your live stream next year I'm sorry that I don't know his name but there's one guy who like knew plenty about movies and like is a professional at this and then they got the guy who plays barry on the goldbergs who's great on the goldbergs but like had nothing to say oh about that's the some
3: bad abc synergy at work yeah there. except yeah.
4: to say that's awesome like literally said that a oh, hundred times so yeah get someone else from the goldbergs get wendy <laughs> you know, like, get someone else
3: who would be like the best choice for host next year do you think i'm going with what a friend told me my friend sarah said kevin hart and maybe with Dwayne Johnson, like, both yeah. the two of them.
0: Didn't they host the MTV Movie Awards? Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. And Kevin of...
3: Hart is the most successful comedian working right now. That feels like it would make sense. Do you
0: feel like he'd be right for the vibe of the Oscars? I don't I mean, know much about his stand-up, Is obviously. anybody... I
3: mean, is Kimmel right for the vibe? You know, I don't you know. know like...
0: I, liked, I just thought Kimmel did a really good job with, like... The stuntiness versus you know, actually, he was good, making he was awards. good,
3: but I, I feel like he wasn't like I think Kevin Hart, among other things, is very lively, and I think that might be fun. So, that was just what a friend said, and I kind of agree with her. Yeah, but do you guys have any other? I like, assume they
0: ask Meryl every year and every year, she's like, No, she could sing, she could, yeah, she uh-huh. could do no, she would be great, yeah. but I, I think she just has other things to do.
4: That was another interesting thing about the Hollywood Reporter article that came out this morning was that in the wake of the Hindenburg, <laughs> that it might be harder to keep. Get actors to present at the Oscars because they don't want to be involved in that kind of shit show.
1: I mean. Although I think Faye Dunaway enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, Faye <laughs> Dunaway had a blast. She's Literally. more talked about on the internet than Jasmine. it's been. the biggest
3: thing since Mommy Dearest. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. I feel like the pros really outweigh the cons. Like you're, the odds of you doing that, especially since they're going to put God knows how many fail safes in place. I don't know. If There's going to be
3: like a little red, um, you know, like beat like <laughs> dot. <just> be <laughs> shot yeah, if you yeah, say yeah, the
0: exactly,
4: wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> we have people like, like Jennifer Lawrence that they like obviously want to have at every ceremony. And if they could have conceivably nominated her for passengers, they would have, or like Ryan Gosling or like Leonardo DiCaprio who just don't want to go to the Oscars if they can help it. It seems like, like, Leo, I'm just saying that because he did the thing that he did at the Golden Globes exactly, which is just sneak in the back door,
0: yeah,
2: peace the out. award
4: to Emma and then leave, yeah, and that's it, you know. So like, there's plenty of A-listers in Hollywood that like don't want to be part of the Oscar
3: circus.
0: Yeah, but I mean, if I'm they're not nominated, nominated you know? presenters were, you know, like Salma Hayek's probably always going to be game to present. an award. There are also a
3: lot of actors who don't want to be part of the Oscar circus, but who nonetheless listen to their publicists. Yes. You know,
0: like, yes, they do.
1: Like, so speaking of this, page six. Have you guys seen this? Is now saying that Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway were fighting. Yes, in the whole Sorry, lead up. I, I yes, heard and he wouldn't allow them to film their
3: rehearsal. Oh the
2: god!
1: Blame yeah, game were, uh, is uh, spiraling.
0: Well, uh, Rebecca Keegan was in there for rehearsals, and uh, she, along with the rest of the press, were not allowed to watch them rehearse. So,
3: Ryan Murphy got a what? feud. Oh my god! They got a feud.
1: <laughs> I'd like Ryan Murphy to host.
3: <laughs> I want Ryan Murphy to produce and direct would and be like, create a really and weird and like, Jessica like Lange yeah. host and Jessica character Lange as Lange as and it's all like gothic and weird like <laughs> welcome to the Oscars Sarah Paulson
1: could be
2: yeah, uh, <laughs> totally.
3: yeah Sarah yeah. Paulson would be a great Oscar host actually shirtless young men would handing she? out the awards
4: <laughs> I don't think Sarah's very like loose and shoot from the hip sort of thing I was trying to think of like who I've seen on panels because panels are a good indication of can you just stand that there in the face of Silliness and be very entertaining. I would put my dark horse out there for Gwendolyn Christie of Game of Thrones, oh, who is be always loopy and Where weird and entertaining. That'll, and that'll everything. bring in the viewers. <laughs>
1: yeah, yep. way better than
4: Kevin Hart. Clearly, how
1: about Gwendolyn and Aziz Ansari together? Oh, there That's, you go. Well, That's Gwendolyn and Kevin Hart. And tall, you, can, you can. Don't oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. no,
0: get Kevin Hart if you're going to do that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. your real, real contrast yeah. there. This is it. Gwendolyn
4: Christie and Kevin Hart. I think we've workshopped this to perfection. You
3: heard it here first. I hope the ghost of Gil Cates is listening to this. And a Bob hope hologram
0: (laughs) so obviously we're not taking an off season this year we'll be back but uh you know just to close this out like what's the next movie to look forward to
3: i know exactly what it is what is it the lost city of z
0: oh yeah that's really coming out in april
3: i saw it at new york film festival it's a james gray movie uh, who i've never really taken to before but this it's beautiful it's a really great movie when is it coming out uh early april i think
0: um well i still have scene get out so clearly that's my first step
3: personal shopper is out in theaters that's that's wonderful
0: The fact that Get Out was the number one movie of the weekend by a black director about white privilege the same weekend that Moonlight won Uh, Best Picture is pretty cool. Like that's a really interesting benchmark.
2: Yeah.
4: I kind of think that if Get Out had come out later, like I'm worried that it's not going to be even close to being an Oscar contention. But like if Get Out had come out at the end of the year, I feel like it might have even gotten like a screenplay or yeah. something like you that. Ne-
0: you never know. We'll do our bold predictions next week and we can all just go hard on Get Out.
4: I'm going to put a bid in for Logan, which comes out this Friday. And, you know, a lot of people are being hyperbolic about it. I think it's a truly great film. And I know that like there was this whole thing of Deadpool maybe being in the Oscar contention this year, and people are like, ugh, please. But Logan, I think people would take that more seriously as a potential Oscar contender. Maybe my research is terrible, but I think there hasn't been a superhero film, not even The Dark Knight, that was nominated for Best Picture. Am I wrong? No. I think this would be the first superhero Definitely film. not.
3: Well, I think also the thing about Logan, and I have a review up on the site if people want to read it, is that Hugh Jackman, you know, this is his ninth outing, I think, as Wolverine. Holy cow. Uh, and he's so good. And it's and so it's, good. it's a genuinely great performance in this movie. Yeah. And you forget that he is such a good actor. He's not just like a charismatic guy. He's like yeah. actually like a real, you know, technician.
4: Yeah. And there are all these references to Shane. So it, <laughs> like the classic Western Shane. So it gives it this extra patina of like respectability mm-hmm. and james mangold is a great director i mean it's just it's a really really good film
0: that's an interesting best actor campaign to start predicting now you can totally see something like yeah, that i would uh, say charlie
3: hoonham for lost city of z wow. uh who, an actor who i've never really liked before and then he just blew me away in this, it's and out
0: uh, april 14th april
3: 14th yeah so yeah i mean there's there is good stuff coming i mean we're
0: and then smurfs the lost village which if that's not this year's trolls what it is
2: <laughs> oh, I, I don't know.
0: Does involved. J does JT have a tap dancing number? It's like, you know? still like that song, guys? Standing by it. Still like it. Mike, are you just gonna put your head in like a dark room? For... Yeah,
1: I can't even think about movies. <laughs> don't. Well, Please. We'll... You're, you're this is actually you're triggering me right now.
0: <laughs> well, we'll all be watching Feud for uh, yeah eight or ten weeks in the meantime. Well, that does it for today's episode. We'll be back next week to do the insane thing and start predicting next year's Oscar winners. And uh, look back at our predictions from March of 2016 about this year. So get ready for some embarrassment I there. took a
3: brief look. We've got some things wrong. <laughs> i just <didn't>
0: say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look forward to that bit of uh, public accountability. Uh, the
3: light between oceans. Uh, yeah, that's a, that was actually featured
1: pretty prominently.
3: <laughs> which is mortifying. <laughs>
0: in the meantime, again, we loved hearing from you guys in the Little Gold Men Twitter feed. Obviously, there's a lot less drama in the weeks to come, but please keep talking to us. It's Really fun. We're all on Twitter on our own. I'm at Katie Rich. Richard Rylas. Joanna. Joe wrote this. And Mike.
1: Mike Hogan with an underscore. There you go. And and you know. have to figure out where the underscore is. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening. This episode was edited and produced by Alana Milner, and thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And this week's award for the best excuse for why our predictions from the Toronto Film Festival were so inaccurate goes to Richard Lawson.
3: Oh, your love
2: <laughs> of Canadian music has undone you once again. <laughs>